Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today is part one of our recap of Mansfield Park. Yes. From 2007. Yes, the 2007 version. Probably the least popular version of Jane Austen's least popular book. (laughs) But... It's my favorite of all of the Jane Austen books. I love Mansfield Park. And I remember when I first read through all the books Uh and was like, oh, I love Mansfield Park. It's like the best. I love it so much. And then I went and looked up, you know, how other people felt about it. And I was like, (laughs) what? How is this everybody's least favorite? <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I feel like I tend to do that with a lot of stuff. I was going to say, that seems very uh, Maya-esque. <laughs> I know. I'm always like, oh, that one's the best. And everyone's like, no, that one is the least best. But I love Mansfield Park. And so I'm very excited to go over this one, even though it's definitely not the best version of Mansfield Park in the world. No. Well, I feel like, you know. We're not just trying to do, like, the best versions of whatever. Like, I think that for, especially when looking back at Emma, that was probably not the best interpretation of Emma. Right. Um, but we're going to go through all of them and just see how we feel yeah. about them. I mean, I think they're all unique, for sure. They all right. bring their own spin. And um, there are good things to point out about this one. I, I definitely um excited to talk about it. <laughs> yes. So, I guess let's just do our first impressions. Uh, you want, I'll start this week. Okay. Okay. Um, the first time I saw it, I was so excited <laughs> because <laughs> um, PBS was announcing this new, like, complete Jane Austen. They were coming out with new adaptations of everything, or uh-huh. so I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was super excited for Mansfield Park. I knew going in that it was only an hour and a half. Uh-huh. And it was only one part. <laughs> and uh, so I knew it was not going to be like what I wanted detailed. it to be. You know, I was it's not going to be like a perfect word-for-word adaptation. It's not going to be... Yeah. So I knew that. So I actually... I like it. I liked it fine uh-huh. when I saw it. Um, I was a little disappointed, of course, because there's a lot of stuff that's not in there. But I will say... It's nice to have an hour and a half version of Mansfield Park sometimes <laughs> because I really like to watch Jane Austen right before I go to bed. Uh-huh. It's like, it's a perfect kind of wind me down type thing. And, but, you know, it had all of the fanny that I wanted. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I just, I thought it was an interesting interpretation. It seemed kind of breezy and it was like, um, but, you know, it is what it is. And sometimes you only have an hour and a half. And you need to get a, your Mansfield Park fix, and uh-huh. it can just fill that for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a quick little, like, uh, dip your toe in. Okay, I'm good. Yeah. So tell me your first impression. Okay. Um, so I I like the, like, story. I like the idea behind um, Fanny and her going to live with these richer family members and stuff. I did not necessarily care for this interpretation i found it to be kind of boring (laughs) yeah like i feel like um and what i found boring about it was i feel like we were kind of like speeding through everything like we go from you know her first being sent to live with her family members and when she's a kid and we immediately jump to she's an adult and i was like (laughs) we didn't get to see anything that happened to her growing up we didn't i don't know i feel like we just missed out on so much and you could i could kind of feel them like really cranking the gears fast like let's get through this let's pump it out yeah so i don't know like i just didn't find it as enjoyable as maybe other interpretations of austin stuff i kind of think of it as the cliff notes or annotated version Uh of mansfield park it's like it's just like hitting the notes the major plot points yeah look when i was rewatching it this past week for this i um I, I wasn't as enraptured as I have been before. Uh-huh. Like, I just kind of, I found it hard to really get into it. And I was also thinking, oh, this is maybe not the best thing to show to someone who has no idea about Mansfield Park because uh-huh. they're, like, just kind of touching on the events that happen, like, with a line, but not ever, you know, spending Going any time on it. I feel like where it really shines is when it, at the end, kind of uh-huh. takes a breath. Whenever it takes, like, a, a breath and, like, yeah. has a scene where people are connecting, I think it actually is really good. I think the cast is all really good. 
I just think that it's so it's trying to cram too much Mm -hmm. while at the same time trying to oversimplify things, which yeah, I feel like how I felt about the new Star Wars. um i i don't know i just like i kind of found like the the story gets all muddied trying to go through it that fast and then trying to like condense a larger storyline like that like i feel like we're just missing out on so many things yeah i feel like i couldn't connect with a lot of the characters even the bad ones yeah like the ones that are just awful i just was like i kind of want to have more time to be like even if there's no humanity brought to them i'm like well Well, it's a shame because they are the most interesting characters right they're you what can is tell so that there's complex. <laughs> yeah, there's complexity to these characters, yeah. and I don't know. I feel like, and also like, um, I f- feel like it did like an injustice to the characters because we they just feel so bland and like I don't know, simplified versions of maybe what they would be. Yeah, they just feel so like okay, let's let's keep moving. So I, was like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I well, I, I have to say, you are not alone in that right. feeling. When I was trying to find notes for this. Um, there was barely anything I could find about this specific production and pretty much you put in Mansfield Park 2007 and it's just pages of bad reviews. (laughs) But, um, I guess we can get into that a little when we get to the notes, which is next. Right. So, notes for Mansfield Park 2007. The tagline was nothing. There was no tagline. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow that's worse than having a bad one. I mean, I don't know. Does TV just not have taglines? Probably not. I guess that was a TV movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was made for TV. It was originally made by ITV. Uh And, um, yeah, I will get into the PBS side of the story. But, um... Yeah, ITV made this and um, also Persuasion. And I I think um, Mansfield, um, Northanger Abbey as well. Okay. So they were doing all three of these. Um, The cast has Billy Piper as Fanny Price. Yes, she was great. Yeah. Um, I think the cast is really good. I love a lot of these actors. Um, Uh Michelle Ryan, I love her as Mariah Bertram. Yeah. I always want to call her Maria. I, when I look <laughs> at it written, I mean. <laughs> yeah, because it's like a, there's no H at the end. Yeah. So it looks just like Maria. Yeah. Um, Blake Ritson as Edmund Bertram. And he's actually in an adaptation of Emma from a few years later. Okay. Um, he plays Mr. Uh, Miss, uh, oh, my God. There's too many names right there. <laughs> um, Is that Mr. Elton? Mr. Elton, yes. Uh, I was trying to call him Mr. Collins. But dreaded Mr. Elton. Yeah, Mr. Elton. Uh, James Darcy as Thomas Bertram. Uh-huh. I didn't realize that was him. Um, he's in Agent Carter. He's uh, he... Jarvis. He was also in Endgame as Jarvis. I was about to say, he's a lot. He's a, he was in Cloud Atlas, Dunkirk. Yeah, I did not know it was him at all until I started writing the notes. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, that's James Darcy? Um, that's Gemma crazy. Redgrave as Lady Bertram. I love her. Yes. Um, <laughs> my fave. Douglas Hodge as Sir Thomas Bertram. I um I think he was a pretty good Sir Thomas Bertram. Um yeah. But I've seen better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Haley Atwell as Mary Crawford. I love Haley Atwell. I wish that Mary yes. Crawford had had so much more in this movie because uh, I loved her. I do love Haley Atwell. Um, Joseph Beatty as Henry Crawford. Yuck. Um, Maggie O'Neill, Mrs. Norris. Yuck. Thanks um, too. Yeah, and uh, Roy Kinnear as James Rushworth, um, and Julia Joyce as the young Fanny Price. (laughs) (laughs) We get just a little smidge. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Director Ian B. McDonald. Okay. I looked him up. He directs a lot on Shameless. Okay. And he's done episodes of Preacher and The Punisher and The the Mick. Oh, The Mick was good. Yeah, lots of stuff. I used to watch The Preacher, too, and that was fun. I mean, I think... The directing is fine. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of pretty. It's got, like, this yellow cast to the whole thing, which mm-hmm. really makes it seem kind of dreamy and romantic. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the writer was Maggie Wad- Waddy? Waddy? W-A-D-E-Y? <laughs> <laughs> Nora! <laughs> Again, with your crying. 
No input, ma'am. <laughs> um, she. This is like her last IMDb credit. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but she previously wrote the 1987 adaptation of Northanger Abbey, which is an adaptation I really love, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so you know, she's done Jane Austen before. She's done it justice, but. I, I don't know. I couldn't really find a lot, so I didn't really get to hear her perspective on writing it. Um, she also wrote on a show called The Buccaneers, which I think I might have seen a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Um, but she went on to write novels, including a book called The English Daughter about her own search for her family history. Oh, wow. Which I think has gotten some acclaim. Uh, the composer, I mean, I think the music is pretty yeah. I think it's pretty, pretty standard. Yeah. I, I was trying to listen for it, and I was like, yeah, it's fine. Um, he's done a lot of British TV. Um, oh, and he did a movie that I really like called Hideous Kinky with Kate Winslet. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen it for a really long time, but I really liked that movie when it came out. Um, it did get a TV Quick Award nomination for B- Billy Piper for Best okay. Actress. I don't know what a TV Quick Award is, but... That was the only um, award nomination. nomination they got for it. At least it was for her. She was probably the best in this. One of the best. Yeah, I I did like she her. She was as enjoyable. Fanny. I think she did portray Fanny in a really um, appropriate way. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Okay, for today, there's really not a lot of notes, so I had to really <laughs> kind of divide it up sparsely. But um, I read an excerpt from a book called making masterpiece 25 years behind the scenes okay and it's about um you know masterpiece theater um the book is by rebecca eaton and patrick mulcahy 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 i don't know i don't know (laughs) (laughs) um okay so pbs was going through a lot of changes and it was trying to move away from corporate sponsorships and move towards more product marketing okay so um but masterpiece itself was kind of on the chopping block um oh no but you know they worked it out they decided they were going to split masterpiece theater into three divisions masterpiece mystery masterpiece contemporary and masterpiece classic and i swear i i can remember this time period so vividly because i loved masterpiece at the time i was Uh like really i actually got um sent one of those um nielsen ratings things and it said put your top three shows and masterpiece was my top show Oh wow! <laughs> because I was, it, they were just producing a lot of really great stuff at the time. Right. Um, so there were like seven people in the marketing department and suddenly they have like three new divisions they have to market. Ugh. And, um, yeah. And like a whole multimedia marketing campaign and everything. So mm-hmm. there was this one genius woman <laughs> who <worked> there <laughs> named Erin Delaney who had the idea to market a whole season of Jane Austen. Because they had th- the three ITV adaptations uh-huh. that they had been asked to co-produce on um, Northanger Abbey Persuasion in Mansfield Park. And BBC was making an adaptation of Sense and Sensibility, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic adaptation of huh. Sense and Sensibility. I can't wait to watch that one with you. Um, and they would also play the 1996 adaptations of Pride and Prejudice and Emma. Okay. Um, those were, I think they were A and E. Um, so they branded it the complete Jane Austen and they joined up with, uh, the Jane Austen society of North America to get the word out. And ultimately it worked great. (laughs) All the Jane Austen fans got super excited and they all showed up. And I know personally, I was like, so excited. (laughs) I mean, that might've been when they sent me the Nielsen thing, because I was like, totally on board (laughs) yes give me all new adaptations because you know that's like my bread and butter before that i was subsisting on like the bbc 80s documentaries and a few movies and that was it you're like i need more and more more (laughs) so this really added a whole new set of adaptations and it was great yay yay masterpiece yay masterpiece thank you for giving us thank you pbs more jane austen okay so now for the recap So we open on a young blonde girl crying in a carriage (laughs) and we hear a voiceover and Fanny is telling us how when she was 10, 
She was sent away from home to live with her wealthy aunts at Mansfield Park. And she says she was already taught to be good, but now she was told never to forget to be grateful. But she was mostly timid and unhappy. As we all are. Yep. So big old expository <laughs> voiceover. <laughs> right at the um, so we see Sir Thomas preparing everyone for this ignorant child that's coming, who's <laughs> sure to have vulgar manners. And Aunt Norris is super rude about it. <laughs> uh, she's garbage. And Lady Bertram seems unconcerned, except for for her pug uh she's my favorite yeah. <laughs> i love her so yeah much. i wouldn't say her portrayal is mm, well i don't know if it's accurate honestly i think you could probably play lady bertram in a lot of different ways but it's definitely uh-huh. not the typical way she, normally she's like totally spaced out the whole time it seems like the most like fun desirable to be able to just like do whatever you want and then fall asleep with your pug yeah <laughs> <laughs> she seems just mostly you know serene in this version yeah (laughs) um so fanny arrives and she looks like a teeny tiny little girl next to this huge house and it actually reminds me i did this art project Uh um where we had to do a uh the cover of a book and like a digital art class or something and i did mansfield park and Mm -hmm. it was like i did it there was like a big huge mansion and a little tiny girl and like her um shadow was projecting over the entire mansion Mansion. so like that's cool um yeah maybe i'll uh try to dig that out and share it on our twitter or something yeah (laughs) you should um so she meets (laughs) she goes in and meets her cousins mariah and julia tom and edmund and they try to make her feel welcome. They're not mean. And she runs away in tears. <laughs> <laughs> she just can't take She's it. She's like, ah, food! <laughs> <laughs> and then we see Bansfield Park. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, okay, so then the happy music starts. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> and now Fanny is laughing and playing lawn badminton or whatever the heck that game is with Edmund. <laughs> There's some more voiceover. <laughs> she says, no one meant to be unkind, but she was made to feel like the poor relation by everyone but Edmund, her one true friend. Aww. So we just like, whoop, we just summed up like a huge portion of the book in one line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one voiceover. Everyone was mean except for Edmund. Yep. Uh, yeah. Which so it seems she she said it wasn't purposeful, but it seems very purposeful. <laughs> they all seem to be really mean to her on purpose. Yeah, they all are. I mean, well, it's kind of like the family is like, I mean, if I can give you some backstory to what's really going on yeah. here. <laughs> so we didn't get that. Um, the family is like, you know, they have a talk beforehand. They're like, we can't make her feel like the poor relation, but just know that she is not ever going to be up to your level. Okay. Right. But you have to be nice to her. And everyone is nice to her, but they're all kind of like always condescending to her, except yeah. for Aunt Norris, who is like straight up rude. Ugh, um, choice and words Mariah for her. isn't exactly nice, but Julia like does have a couple moments of, of niceness, kindness to yeah. her. I just I, I got a lot of from this movie a lot of Cinderella vibes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just because she was like. You know, she was technically family, but <laughs> she was, like, hemming tresses. And, you yeah. know, they were like, oh, bring this umbrella to her. Almost like as if she was, like, a servant. Yeah, well, I mean, oh, God, there's so much about this book. But um, there is kind of some allusions to slavery. And uh-huh. I think that maybe they're making a, a slight parallel to, like, you know, Fanny and, you know, all women. But I, I don't I don't know if we should really get into that yet because we're going to have uh-uh. plenty of other adaptations that actually try <laughs> Dive to. Dive into it yeah. more. Okay. So they grow up. They're still playing the same game, but she's now an adult. <laughs> um, she says she came to love him as more than a cousin. Mm-hmm. But I do feel for Fanny in this version particularly because I feel like it's more about Fanny pining for Edmund. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like that's really the focus of this movie is having – Having a crush on someone who is totally friend zoning you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know what that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone does. Yeah. It's kind of a part of growing up. Yeah. But it's so it's so funny to me to like think of like I, I mean, you wouldn't call it morals or ethics, but like the ideas of like I guess like wealth and family 
not being the same as it was back then about how <laughs> just casually being like i was in love with my cousin and i yeah. wanted to marry him <laughs> and nowadays it's like yeah. absolutely not i mean it makes you think though you just don't get to see that many people uh-uh. you know so and the people who come over are probably families so yeah so it's like slim pickings. plus everyone's always trying to stay in their same social class so you know yes. people in your family are most likely keep the in money that class. together and yeah yeah seems silly <sighs> Yeah, I mean, they were playing with fire, but (laughs) (laughs) you got to do what you got to do. So Tom summons them from their fun, and uh, Fanny busts in the room out of breath, and her cousins are playing piano like real ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sir Thomas has gathered everyone to tell them that he has to go to the West Indies to take care of some of his affairs. Uh Um, Normally, Tom goes with him. Okay. And then comes back before he comes back. And that's when the whole play thing. But not in this version. They just don't even go? He's, he's just going on his own. Um, he's He tells Mariah, don't get married until I get back. <laughs> <laughs> he gives everyone a little pep talk. And tells Fanny to invite her brother over if he ever comes to town. But also insults her by saying she hasn't grown up. <laughs> so. Yeah, I was like... Oh, I just don't understand, like, why everyone has to be so freaking rude to her. Like, out of nowhere, just, like, they can't just, like, treat her like a normal person. They're just going to be like, oh, by the way, you're also trash and beneath yeah, us. You and... have to be with us at all times, but we're going to look down on you at Yeah, all we love to help you, but you're also a burden. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, fine. I know. And she's just like, that. okay. I know. And she's, like, told, you better be grateful for what you've got. Yeah. And so everyone's being, like, crappy to her at all times. Yeah, that's oh, also. Fanny. I, know, I feel so bad for her because, like, everyone's like, you're ungrateful, you're awful. And she's like, I keep saying thank you for letting me live here. All I do is read to you as you fall asleep and do your midnight. You say, hem your dresses and do everything for you. I know. It's <sighs> horrible. Um, so, yeah, Fanny's hurt. But as soon as he's gone, the girls start laughing. And Fanny runs through the garden. Everyone's like, the voiceover is like, it was like a cloud was lifted from Mansfield Park <laughs> and she'd never been happier. It's like Sir Thomas goes away and everyone's just like, yeah, oh, <laughs> Cause he's like, he's like an oppressive figure on the yeah, house. I found him to be very like typical back in the day, English, like ma- patriarch of the family, like just pressuring everyone. And everyone's like always on, like walking on like eggshells. Uh-huh. And the minute he leaves, everyone's like, now we can have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it'll be interesting when we do Persuasion to compare him to um, Anne's father. Okay. So we'll, we'll have to remember to come back to that. Follow that for later. <laughs> um, okay, so she's riding horses with Edmund. He gives her, like, a flower. And he comments on how stupid Rushworth would be if he weren't so rich. And But luck, Fanny's like, well, luckily he is. <laughs> like, can't change that. <laughs> Wouldn't um, it be nice? <laughs> so... I was, like, so curious to see, like, how wealthy some of these people are uh-huh. because um, they were saying what Rustworth was, like, um, 12000 uh-huh. was, like, his income. Uh-huh. And I was, like, like just curious. That's more Com- than Darcy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was curious to see how much that was. And so I found this website that kind of, like, modernized the wealth of all these characters. Uh-huh. So I was, like, maybe we can kind of talk about that for a second. Yeah, like, totally. Actually, I was just reading an article on Drunk Austin that uh-huh. had basically the breaking same down the same thing. Yeah. So, like, Russworth's income, 12000 um, which roughly translates to... Um, the retail price index to 1.1 million, almost uh-huh. 1.2, and then his average earnings was over 15 million. Yeah, it was a lot of money. Um, but what I found insane was Mr. Darcy's income was 10,000, so just a little bit less. But they also estimated his fortune, uh-huh. um, which was 200,000 at the time, which would roughly translate to. $257 million. <laughs> Whoa. How come he's not making more income? He must be very generous to yes. his... Um, yeah. That's, that was that's his a average, good perspective. Average earnings, $257 million. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoa. There's like a whole thing that's left out of this where we go to Rushworth's house uh-huh. and see his estate and like they want to make improvements. So, but it's not nearly as like beautiful and perfect as Netherfield. Right. It was just, it was really interesting to see that and like... um also, like uh, Emma, her um, was thirty thousand pounds, and then her, which means like her average earnings over thirty eight million dollars. 
And if she was going to, I mean, yeah, no wonder she didn't want her to leave Mary. Yeah. <laughs> she was going to inherit all that. Yeah. Wow. It's just interesting. Yeah. The one I was reading was also talking about um, like the class breakdown mm-hmm. and like where a sir and a baronet and how like if you say like this um, and this Sir Thomas, we call him by his first name because he's um, a uh, by blood mm-hmm. uh, um, and the gentry as opposed to having it bestowed on him like sir lucas was from pride and prejudice so he was like below um he would definitely be below in the sir department you know like sir thomas because he's using his first name means that he's above like a sir lucas who has to use his last name okay interesting yeah so if you use your first like lady Catherine can use her first name because she had um inherited her title as opposed to like lady i guess maybe lady lucas is she a lady as well or lady I don't know. <laughs> yeah, my brain Ladies just kind of got tied in a knot there for a second. <laughs> I don't know. It's really interesting to see this. And then we can talk about um, Edmund and Fanny's income, which is still a lot of money. Yeah, well, <laughs> but... I, let's do that in the second episode. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. It's just really interesting information. <laughs> They're nowhere close to getting together yet. <laughs> uh, no, not till the last second. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, so the uh, Tom is staying in town because he's a party animal. And um, Edmund has to be the responsible one. <sighs> <laughs> but Fanny is never ha- was never happier. They're racing each other. And suddenly a fly, a fly, <laughs> a fly, a fly enters the ointment in the guise of Mary and Henry Crawford. <sighs> and they arrive to throw a wrench into everyone's happiness seriously more so henry (laughs) so mary gives the rundown of who the bertrams are and she says for herself she's chosen the eldest and the heir as her future conquest and Mm -hmm. recommends that henry go for julia she says (laughs) he's like so what's our strategy and she says no strategy only the use of our natural powers (laughs) so they're like going in going in being like we're gonna have to take over this family basically (laughs) um they have bad views of marriage because of what they've grown up with. Right. Um, and they're glad to be the deceivers rather than the disappointers. The deceivers rather than the disappointers. I don't know what I was writing. <laughs> <laughs> than the deceived. They're glad to be the deceivers rather than deceived. I don't know how Basically, I got disappointers. <laughs> maybe it was like how it was presented. Or maybe it's just a typo. Yeah, probably. So Mrs. Norris... She doesn't have much nice to say about them. She says that they are plain, small, and brown. <laughs> oh. Brown is such an insult at the time. Well, you know, slavery. Yeah, I can't see the blue under the skin. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't see a single vein. You're gross. Um, Lady Bertram doesn't seem to care much, except in regards to Julia and how she feels about it. Right. Um, she says something about them as they were kids, but I don't remember. So Mary is disappointed that Tom is not in town. Um, Henry mentions Antigua and the pug is like, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is funny. It's like they, they took so much out, but they're like, let's add the little bits of slavery. Yeah. (laughs) Little like intimations of it. And then we can never actually go into it. But we're not going to actually go into that at all. We're just going to (laughs) like, we'll keep that in. Um, So Mary asks Edmund's advice on getting her harp. And then flashes her ankle at him. Very risque. <laughs> I was about to say, this is like the, um, I don't know what you, I wouldn't call it like the slutty version of a Austin, but it. I mean, there were bosoms heaving. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I thought Billy Piper was like, Jesus, can you even breathe? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, everyone's boobs were pushed up to their chins. I, was, I, mean, and I thought hers was going to pop out. <laughs> there were a lot of ankle, like little like flashes real quick. Like, ooh, look at this. I know. That was particularly like, I'm flashing my ankle at you. She didn't even like try to disguise it. She was just like, pull up my skirt. Yeah, here you go. But it was so funny to see their reaction because they were like, oh my God. I know. And Fanny was like, oh my God, this girl. This girl is showing her bits. Her and ankle bits. just like, oh, is that your ankle is here? Oh, <laughs> so funny. This um, is like, yeah, this was, I wouldn't say it was sexy the way it was done, but this is definitely the most like, quote unquote, vulgar 
<laughs> obscene Austin interpretation. Yes, that's so obscene. Um, <laughs> ankles, ankles, ankles. ankles. Cover, covered ankles, if we're going to be specific. Yes. They were they, still covered. They were still had. She Socks. still had her stockings on. Um, 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 where was I? Oh, um, oh yeah. She flashed the ankle. She's asking about the harp, and um, <laughs> she's used to getting what she wants with money, right. basically. Well, she's also like beautiful. And Edmund's like, "No, you have to get the hay in before the rain." And then I was like, "Yes, everyone knows this." <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is something I always. Maybe it's my personal joke, because <laughs> anytime someone has to get the hay in before the rain, I just can't help but laugh. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't know nothing about that. I feel like every period adaptation has like a scene where they're like rushing to get the hay in before the right. rain. It's dreadful. <laughs> it's just like a well-known fact. Um, so Henry and Mar- Mariah are making eyes at each other. And uh, Julia reminds everyone that Mariah is getting married. <laughs> and Hello. her fiance is like right here. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, don't forget. It's a good thing Mr. Rushworth is an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like so funny because he's like an idiot, but he's like a lovable goof. Yeah. He's, he's pretty lovable in this one. Uh, he's played by like Hugh Bonneville and uh, yeah. in another movie. And <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's like, it's so funny that Mariah is like so like, she seems very irritated to be with him. Uh, but it's like, he's rich. He's not mean. And he's not, like, ugly, too. So no. It's I mean, like, she was like, she chose him. She con- yeah. co- conquested him. Yeah. Courted? I don't know what the word. She uh, conquered. Conquered. <laughs> conquested him. <laughs> the English language. Oh, Lord. Okay. Uh, okay. We're, it's going to take forever. <laughs> uh, Aunt Bertram informs them that she gets to be the first to hear if Sir Thomas dies at sea. Which is just a random, like, again, like, one line. We're just... <laughs> Not going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so they go out for a walk. And quick, get Mariah her parasol, Fanny. <laughs> we don't want to <laughs> deal with Mariah if she doesn't have her parasol. Um, <laughs> but they were like, she's going to be pissed because she's the only one who doesn't have a parasol. <laughs> if she gets her nose burned, we're all going to suffer. Meaning um, Fanny's going to suffer. Yeah. <laughs> mostly so um they're talking henry is like i think you should get a ruined castle for your view (laughs) this is so funny because when he said suggested that wasn't like her reaction like but there's not a castle here to ruin (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) if only we already had one mary says she wants a folly i love that word folly i'm always like i want a folly for my yard but i don't really know what a folly is exactly so i I just call anything in a yard folly. (laughs) i just thought of like the broadway show follies and was like she just wants a a well i mean that's basically what it is it's like an expensive lawn ornament for no reason it's just like a waste of money kind of basically i think that's why i call it a folly i could be wrong let me know right in (laughs) um so uh julia suggests to edmund that they should put up a chapel uh-huh. and that's when mary learns that he's gonna be ordained to be um yeah by a clergyman putting her foot in her mouth yeah <laughs> big time i mean not even as badly as she does in like the book right but um yeah she feels pretty dumb for <laughs> for being like no nah, clergymen dumb. are dumb oh you're i'm be sorry a... to be vulnerable. <laughs> So Mrs. Norris gossips about the Crawfords a little, and Fanny looks sad and wistful. She's left <laughs> out of the fun. She's been supplanted in Edmund's eyes. He's staring at the back of Mary's neck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. then afterwards, Mary and Henry have like a little, they discuss what just happened. Right. And henry is like i thought fanny was a servant can you believe it <laughs> yeah. i'm like yeah i can because of how they treat her and then they both totally diss julia uh, her looks they're so rude yeah she's not ugly she's just she's just she looks younger than the rest of them yeah she looks like she's 16 <laughs> yeah so awkwardly edmund asks annie <laughs> fanny <laughs> um her impression of miss crawford and fanny thinks she's pretty but she's otherwise unimpressed and um Edmund is like, can we borrow your horse? (laughs) (laughs) So fast. It's so fast. It's crazy. It's like whirlwind the first half of this movie. Um, So Fanny is waiting to go riding while Mary is trying to convince Edmund to choose another profession. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you want to not be a clergyman and be a lawyer instead? (laughs) Sounds so much more fun. (laughs) But Edmund is not budging. 
So, um, they come back. Mary apologizes for being late, but says, selfishness must always be forgiven because there's never any hope of a cure. (laughs) (laughs) I love that line. I'm glad it made it into this version. (laughs) It's like a line that you would think would make her not likable, but you're always like, you're like, oh, Mary. Yeah, exactly. She knows exactly how to play it. And she's right in her case. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Tom comes home. He's quite disappointed because he was going to do this play with his friends and it got canceled due to a death in the family. And he's like, how only in- she could have just waited three days to die. <laughs> how inconvenient. <laughs> I know. He's so selfish. Um, but it must be excused. Yeah. So now he ropes all of the young people at Mansfield Park into an acting, into some acting. <laughs> uh, Mary finally gets to meet Tom and she's engaged and dismissed in one breath, as she says. Because oh, yeah. he doesn't look at her twice except to go, okay, you can play that part. <laughs> yeah, she's like, all right. She's So she's like, okay, well, I guess the ideas of marrying the heir might not work out. Maybe I should keep my eye on this Edmund. Um, Mrs. Norris calls Fanny lazy <laughs> and enlists her help in getting ready for the play. Um, Edmund is appalled by the theatricals and Tom doesn't give a crap. <laughs> A play? We can't do a play. I know. I mean, obviously he's right because when Sir Thomas comes home, he is not happy. No. But um, I also think it's some sort of a little bit of clergy influence. Yeah, he's got the moralistic. I mean, well, that's why him and Fanny are perfect together. They talk. They talk morals with each other. You right. Know? <laughs> They're very into that. Um, yeah, but Tom doesn't care. Uh, Mary wants Edmund to play opposite her, though. Of course. Of course. Just got to build that connection somehow. Mm-hmm. Now that Tom is um, pretty much a bust, she's got to go for the next, <laughs> next in line. Next viable man. Yeah. Even if he is a clergyman. Although she doesn't really want it, so. No. So everyone's trying on their costumes. They're rehearsing. Um, Fanny doesn't mind not participating because she knows that Sir Thomas wouldn't like it. And she, you know... It's been yeah. on pins and needles. Um, Edmund, in the most, if you've ever been friend zoned, you've had this fucking conversation at some point. <laughs> Edmund asked Fanny his advice on whether he should play the part because, um, you know, he doesn't want the other people in town, but, you know, maybe I should play this part. And um, so he's looking for her approval. Right. And, but she won't. She, like, she won't do it. I don't know. She won't approve. She's, but he takes it that way. Right. Because that's what he wants to do. But she doesn't actually ever say, I approve. She's just like, but you said you wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Make up your mind, sir. Um, Mariah is stealing kisses behind a curtain with Henry. So scandalous. Yeah, super scandalous. Um, he's clearly just using her. When they go to kiss, he's like laughing to himself. Yes. <laughs> um. Aunt Norris inadvertently reveals them to the room. <laughs> this scene. And then blames Fanny for it. Yeah, when she was like, Fanny, you clumsy oaf. And I was like, uh. <laughs> well, she, I think it's because Julia, like, gets upset when she sees this. And oh, of course. Runs out. And then Aunt Norris is like, how dare you make Julia cry? And it's yeah. like, okay, Aunt Norris. <laughs> I was like, all right, everyone should just go beat up Aunt Norris. Like, she needs to go in yeah, now. Yeah, she's not good. But um, I did have a develop a theory, um, especially after the scene when it was exposed that he was kind of, you know, not a great person. Uh-huh. Um, that in all of these Austin adaptations so far, the villain is always the person with the longest hair. <laughs> if you think about it, um, in um, was it Pride and Prejudice? Was it um, who was, was it? Willoughby? Is that his um, name? No. Uh, Pride and Prejudice is um, Wickham. Wickham. Um, he, he had a, a very hair. long ponytail, yep. and then um, in Emma, um, uh, Ewan McGregor's character doesn't. But I would say Mr. Hair. Elton is more of the bad guy yeah. in that. He's got shorter. But yeah, but I would say like maybe but Frank Churchill does have some sort of Frank. Ha- I guess some maybe lying going on. Maybe the villain more towards the main character. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's let's keep our eye on that. Do we know. equate I... long hair with villainy? I mean, Tom, <laughs> Thomas has the longest hair in this adaptation, so yeah, that's true. I don't know. Something to look forward to. <laughs> uh, where was I? Um, they reveal Julia runs away crying. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Mr. Rushworth seems jealous, but stupid. And he starts rehearsing with Fanny. <laughs> I mean, it's like all still the same scene. <laughs> um, 
Edmund and Mary go to a private corner to rehearse, and Fanny follows them and spies. <laughs> Luckily, Tom interrupts just in time uh, because this love fest was about to erupt and uh, asks, insists that Fanny play a part. Everyone starts pressuring her, including Edmund, and she can't say no to Edmund. Of course not. But we don't ever actually see her say yes because Sir Thomas returns. Ugh. Everyone's on stage. It's just like cuts. There's yeah, no there's no in between. Uh, Mr. Was it Mr. Rushworth? 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 Rushworth is in full. Yes. Uh, full, <laughs> full actor mode. <laughs> full beat on his face. White powder, the yeah. lips. And is really into this role. Yeah, it's, I mean, as a, a theat- theatrical actor mm-hmm. from the past, um, nobody puts on their costumes or rehearses when they don't have to. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he was more than happy to. He's more interested in getting dressed up than anything else. <sighs> what does that say about Mr. Rushworth? I don't, don't want to make any sort of assumption. What do you think, listeners? <laughs> so... He returns. He doesn't say a word. He just takes a copy of the play and throws it in the fire. <laughs> I was like, whoa. He's a real meanie completing. <laughs> yeah, that's so rude. Um, apparently, the Crawfords skedaddled as soon as he showed up. Um, and Mariah is complaining. Ugh. Sir Thomas, though, is no, he he's noticing all of this. He inquires about the Crawfords. He observes this new dynamic with Mariah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where Fanny asks about slavery. Uh, yeah. And at the dinner table. Sir Thomas actually says, they could do without it, but without order, we are all lost. Uh, okay. And then Mariah excuses herself and runs away. So I don't know <laughs> if, like, we included the, like, slavery bits to motivate Mariah because she feels trapped. I, I have no idea. It, this, yeah, this movie, can, <laughs> it seems to, like, kind of beat around the bush of slavery. But it also. Well, I mean, the book barely. I mean, I mean, it's I, like all yeah. really undercurrent. Yeah. So I just find it interesting that they included it in this version, in which they took so much out already. Why add that unless it's just like purely to motivate yeah. Mariah running away? It's, it seems almost like a little bit like they're trying to make like some. A little... I mean, I think they're trying to show that Fanny has like a moral backbone, and she's she asked about this. Right. You know, she's not afraid, while everyone else will. It's just... like we can't talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It also feels like a little bit of like a lazy comparison for like um, Fanny and women at that time to be like more subservient. I don't know. I feel like at like, that time it really was more like like a form of plus at that time. Well, yeah. Slavery was really um, in the zeitgeist at the time because mm-hmm. that was right when um, England was abolishing slavery. Right. And, and America was um, adopting it. <laughs> Just keeping it well, alive. Well, we, um, we already had it. It wasn't. It was maybe like 30 years until the civil war from that yeah. point maybe 40 um i don't know it's just like because I, I it's not the same so i just feel like it's like if we could have maybe done more like maybe how the book does it it wouldn't feel so like well it's almost two. like kind of i mean it's not really that much in the book but people have brought it out i mean uh-huh. jane austen was well it was known to have read a famous abolitionists um work at the time and really uh-huh. admired it and you know talked about how great it was right. plus there's so much of jane austen that is just unknown because her family destroyed so many of her letters it's such a shame crazy <laughs> crazy crazy okay let's get back to the recap um we're really never gonna finish it's gonna be the longest <laughs> recap for such could, a short movie <laughs> we could do it we could, we could speed through it okay um so sir thomas is trying to get tries to give Mariah an out on her marriage. Uh-huh. He's like, "Listen, we can. It doesn't matter. We can break this marriage up." But she says no. She wants the money. She wants the status. Right. <laughs> Period. Um. And Henry left her. So screw him. I'm gonna get married. Right. <laughs> Be the toast of London. Um. Oh. So the marriage happens. <laughs> <laughs> the marriages happen. Now they're off on their honeymoon and they're taking Julia with them. <laughs> <laughs> weird tom is also leaving so only edmund and fanny are left at home basically from the kids right but the crawfords are still there <laughs> the crawfords are still there mary crawford is still letting edmund know that she will not settle for the life of a country curate so you better change your plans if you're planning on marrying me right um henry sees fanny playing with a little girl and she basically totally ignores him but yeah. um kind of puts him in his place because he's yeah. like asking about the 
the theatricals. And she's like, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think it all went quite far enough. But he likes that. You know, he likes pestering and, like, bothering women. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to make her love me. Gross. Um, like, she's some sort of conquest. So Henry tells Mary he's going to stay for a while and try to get Fanny to fall in love. And to her credit, Mary tells it like it is and says the truth is there's no one else for you to notice and you have to have someone and she doesn't really want him to do it but she kind of relents and she's like well you know i guess it couldn't hurt for fanny to have a little love in her life but don't hurt her i don't want you to end up like our father (laughs) trash (laughs) or our uncle i guess not our father um so then we see edmund admiring mary's harp playing it's the only really besides her saying she wanted to get her harp that's the only real harp stuff there's a lot of harp stuff in the book (laughs) (laughs) um henry is chatting up fanny but then william comes to visit yay Yay. and it's maybe the first time she's seen her family since she came to mansfield i was about to say it seems like it had been a long time Mm -hmm. she has a correspondence with him in the book Uh i mean i assume she does in this movie too we just never hear about it right um so he gives her this cross he got in sicily and she just you know, talking about how much she loves him and admits that she, the the, the love she feels for Edmund is different. He's not my brother. (laughs) (laughs) William doesn't even like, look, it's like just (laughs) over his head. (laughs) So William is kind of entertaining everyone at dinner by telling about his naval battles and Henry is all ears and he's like formulating a plan. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Norris is appalled. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You are using dinner items. Yeah. But it's Fanny's birthday. And so we have to have a party for her. And I mean, she's the only girl left. (laughs) Right. Uh, She's really reluctant and kind of insists that they do a picnic rather than a ball. Right. Which is definitely a ball in the book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But Sir Thomas is like all smiles. (laughs) She was like, well, it's my birthday. So could we do something maybe I want to do? He's like, don't be selfish. Yeah. Your birthday is a day to share with other people. Yes. Okay. We're, we're not doing this for you. We're doing this because we need a party. <laughs> she's like, all right, whatever. Uh, but um, yeah, but he's actually really, he's nice. Aunt Norris, on the other hand, is making Fanny feel guilty and says, you must always be the lowest and the last. But Perhaps. I think Fanny is starting to stand up for herself to yeah. Aunt Norris at this part. A little bit. Edmund gives Fanny a chain for her cross and she loves it, but... She already got one from Mary. We didn't see any of that, but she got nope. it. Um, and all it does is make Edmund more impressed with Mary and how Ugh. sweet she is. But he's despairing because she says, this is the last time I'm ever going to dance with you because you're going to become a preacher and I'm never going to dance with a preacher or a right. curate. I don't think they're called preachers. But they do have a, like a little sweet moment where he puts the necklace on her. So then they're playing Blind Man's Bluff. Edmund catches Fanny. <laughs> like, and he immediately oh. thinks it's Mary. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, no. <laughs> Fanny avoids catching Henry by <laughs> veering at the last second. <laughs> She's like, oh, look what I got. And then they're dancing. William does a jig. And Fanny is like the center of attention. And Mary says, you must enjoy it. It serves no purpose to blush unseen. Not that you do. <laughs> hint, hint, hint. And uh, Henry asks her to dance and um sir bertram is like well it's your party you have to open the dancing and i learned that um these dances uh-huh. they're like half an hour long a piece so if you're Jesus. dancing like elizabeth bennett danced with um mr collins uh-huh. two dances that's like an hour oh my god that's why there's so much chit chat during the dances <laughs> no wonder she was miserable yeah. <laughs> she was like an hour <laughs> so yeah and mary's dancing for the last time presumably with edmund and everyone is happy except for Edmund. Well. And that's halfway. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? Yep. Wow. <laughs> feels like so much happened. <laughs> I know, but also we didn't get enough. Yeah. The second half is, it slows down a bit, but yeah. still. Should we start with our deep dives then? Yes, please. I want to know more about these people. Yes. Well, okay. So for this week, I'm doing Mary Crawford. Ooh, I love Mary. Yeah. She's definitely one of the most interesting characters. And honestly, there is so much information about her. I mean, oh, all wow. of the characters that I've looked into, granted, she's one of the bigger ones, but I mean, there are just scholarly articles out the wazoo. And 
It was very exciting. Okay, so Mary Crawford, she's attractive. We all know. Yep. She's caring in her way. Okay. She's charismatic. She has a fortune of around 20,000 pounds. Whoa. Yep, so. It's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also the women, they like kept that money kind of in its own like thing. So like... if their husband died, they got that money back when he died. Oh, yeah. okay. It's almost <laughs> almost like a security deposit. Yeah, it's like a little <laughs> trust for themselves. Good. I think. <laughs> sounds about right i mean i'm sure that the men could steal their money if they wanted to of course i could do whatever they wanted back (laughs) then yeah um so she and her brother live with um their uncle admiral crawford okay um they come to the neighborhood to stay with mrs grant who we do not see in this production but um she's a big part of the book uh-huh um she takes over the (sighs) mrs norris is married to the curate at mansfield park he dies um the aunt comes Mary comes to live with the aunt. Okay. Because the aunt's married to the new curate. Gotcha. Okay. Just, you know, for some context. <laughs> right. Uh, so, but they mo- they had moved in with Miss Grant because they had to get away from their uncle who invited his mistress to move in when his wife died. Oh, and so Lord. they were like, you know, eh, so that's no, a big scandal you. type thing. Um, though, uh, uh, purportedly, the two the uncle and the the dead wife um uh-huh. supposedly adored the sibling uh the crawford kids okay. so i think they were like you know also fairly spoiled oh yeah seems like it yeah <laughs> um she says at one point i'm not born to sit still and do nothing if i lose the game it shall not be from not striving for it ambitious yeah so though we see through fanny's eyes a darker side of her mm-hmm her wit disguises her superficiality, and her charisma disguises her self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. She's capable of genuine kindness, and she grows and changes through the novel. She's often characterized as the first anti-heroine. Oh. Yeah. I can um, see that. Uh, Colleen Sheehan wrote uh-huh. that Austin subtly creates the conditions that allow the reader to reach a morally ambiguous view of the Crawfords. She makes her vibrant and elegant, witty and alluring, while at the same time they engage in actions which are morally repugnant. She does this to put readers in a position in which they are, uh, in which they have to exercise their own powers of observation and judgment. Hmm. So that's interesting. That is really interesting. She may be based slightly on her cousin, the Eliza, who we was the daughter of Philadelphia, who we learned about on our deep dive. Oh yeah, of uh, Pride and Prejudice. Um, Eliza de Fouillied. She was married to some French guy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Parallels between Mary's dialogue and Austen's own letters have been noted. Ooh. Mary spends a lot of the novel trying to persuade Edmund not to go into the clergy, saying that it's boring and hypocritical. Uh Uh-huh. Mary's views are what were widely held at the time, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. And Edmund's commitment to the to integrity and morality represent the minority opinion huh yeah so she makes she also makes a good point about patronage the selling of livings uh-huh like parishes because like um the norrises have the parish and then it's supposed to go to edmund but sir bertram has to sell it off because of tom's gambling debts so she points out to edmund um that his expectation of a living from his father is based on privilege rather than merit and so this will actually allow him to still live a comfortable life as a gentleman, even though, you know, he's not inheriting the fortune. Right. She's never unfriendly to Fanny, and she doesn't want Henry to hurt her, although she does um, allow that a little love might do her good. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like a little bit condescending. Yeah, definitely. But her attitude towards Fanny is more complex as her motivations are ambivalent. I mean, she knows that she's best friends with Edmund, and so right. she's kind of like... I like you so I can get on Edmund's side, but I, you know, how much do I like you for real? Yeah. Um, It almost feels like she is, because she seems a little bit like progressive in some ways. um, Yeah. And also, but like, she's kind of limited by her, like, you know, wealthy background and spoiled upbringing. She just doesn't have any like real moral center. Right. So it's almost feels like she understands fanny's situation a little bit and is oh, like yeah. i want to be like i want to be nice to her but then she's also like but i want edmund for myself yeah. and you know but i don't think that she's ever afraid that fanny is 
trying or is right. going to ever get it. She doesn't really see she her as a rival. She doesn't expect that. <laughs> yeah. Um, if there is a, a once Henry proposes to Mary um, proposes to Fanny, uh-huh. Mary has a moment where she begs Fanny on behalf of the female sex to bask in the conquest she has made over a man who has been desired and shot at by so many women. <laughs> and I, I, I feel that sentiment, Mary. <laughs> I get you. So when everything goes down, and she expresses her view of how the whole sordid affair might be swept under the rug with a little help from Mariah's family. And uh-huh. Edmund admonishes her judgmentally. Right. Mary is hurt. And modern day critics tend to take Mary's side on this particular um, oh, moment. Yeah. They, they think of Edmund as just like leaving her high and dry. But I think it's kind of all coming for a long time. <laughs> I mean, it's not well, yeah. like Edmund is totally 100% behind it. He's just, I mean, he's questioning him and Mary's relationship the whole time so oh for sure I think like yeah that whole situation and I mean we'll get into it in our part two but like um it did feel like you like oh you can definitely tell like the clergy's influence on Edmund's viewpoint of it like how shameful it is and stuff like that and Mary it seems like she's like well at least this way like she'll still be able to like come home and be a part of the family and yeah I don't know. It just feels yeah. so sad. I mean, it does. From, from us, we're like, why would you just let your daughter rot? I mean, they take care of her. She's yeah, of not... course. She's not going to be, like, destitute, but... Yeah. They're just like, but we're not going to have your shamefulness here right. <laughs> anymore. After everything, it's said in the book that Mary's future search for husband is harder because she now sees some of Edmund's more sensitive qualities as ideals that are hard to come by in fashionable London society. Right. Um, leaving the reader with the possibility of Mary's eventual redemption. Oh. Yeah, so loving Edmund Softening. actually, you know, made her think maybe there's more to men than just money. <laughs> money and status. <laughs> um, it's also said that if the whole kerfuffle hadn't happened, eventually Mary would have come around and married Edmund. Yeah, yeah I could see that. Um, she's a character in which we see the potential for change or lack thereof. Um, Colleen Sheehan concludes about Mary that Austin does not save her and her brother in the book as only they could save themselves. Neither does she save the readers. Our judgment must be our own. Mm-hmm. And there's so many more scholarly articles about her, but um, I had to have a limit. <laughs> so <laughs> we may have to come back to her again someday. Yes. As far as sorting her into a house, I say, well, actually, I found an article that was like Jane Austen characters sorted into astrology houses. Oh, really? And it was actually, it said Colonel Brandon was a cancer, which is what I said. Ooh, I was like, oh my God. Spot on. Well, there are a couple that I disagreed with, but this one <laughs> I did agree with because Mary Crawford was in there as a Sagittarius. Ooh. Sagittarius's seductive, adventurous, intelligent, sophisticated, trailblazers, blunt, selfish, independent, open-minded, restless, irresponsible, tactless, don't care what others think of them. That's... I mean, those are all the ones I picked out for marriage Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she seems spot on. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess, I think she's a Gryffindor. Gryffindor? I get Slytherin. She because... could be a Slytherin, too, because the ambition. And the selfishness. Yeah. Oh, I feel although... like Gryffindors could be selfish, too. Oh, for too. sure. <laughs> I think it's, um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe Gryffindor is more, because, like, the selfishness of her is more so, like, it's not, like mean-spirited it's more like she thinks she does have like a warm heart deep yeah and she thinks that her selfishness is like for the greater good to put quotes on that maybe Um, she's a slither door -door? (laughs) griffin thin (laughs) (laughs) let's just leave her in griffin door (laughs) all right uh, for our recommendations for this week, um, I think I'm going to recommend another podcast called The Illusionist. Ooh. It's a podcast about language, and I find it so huh. interesting. It's hosted by Helen Zaltzman. It's um, a British podcast. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love that there's so many British podcasts. I just love so many British things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she really explores language and like how words are um, created and how they change their meanings and it's just really interesting it will if you feel like you're like a grammar nazi or one of those people um, listening to it is really interesting but it also shift your perspective on how language works and how evolve how it evolves and so i definitely recommend it sounds really interesting mm-hmm. language <laughs> okay 
my recommendation for this week is the uh, HBO newish miniseries on Watchmen. Oh. Um, so it just ended, um, I think last week, right? Uh, I haven't actually watched it, but I yeah, it did. Um, I know, Maya. I know. Okay, listen, it is literally at the top of my list, but with all this podcast stuff, I just have not <laughs> had as much time. time to watch TV. But I, I mean, I definitely gonna be watched very soon. You should definitely watch it. It was so good. Regina King is amazing. Gene Smart was amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm insanely upset that neither of them nor anything with the show was nominated for a Golden Globe. It's hard when it's like so close to the. I know, but it's like Twin Peaks didn't get nominated for anything either. No, I just I, I get really upset about this 1917 movie because I don't like war movies. We've seen so many of them, and that hasn't even come out yet, and it's nominated for Ugh. a lot of things. Yeah, it doesn't come out till the 22nd of December. <laughs> Well, I'm just annoyed. Maybe next it. season. Maybe next season, but they deserved it. Uh, Jean Smart was, I, this is probably the, one of the best things I've ever seen her do. She's so enjoyable. Regina King is amazing as always. Um, I just, everyone was so good in it. And the story was really good. I never knew what to expect. Um, and Hong Chow played a character uh-huh. that was really good too. It was just so good. I'm very excited to watch it. It was yeah. so good. It was so well done. Um, and I feel like in true Watchmen fashion, it was just like super political and uh, <laughs> super not downplaying the violence and gore at all. It was just hitting you with every single thing. It was so <laughs> good. I was so happy with it. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, um, join us next week where we will be doing the second half of Mansfield Park. Yay. Yep. We got a lot more interesting stuff to talk about. Can't wait. <laughs> all right. Good night. Bye.